0: 653.
1: Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: All the places I have gone, the things that I have seen. Hey everybody, welcome to the Chris Salcedo Show. I am, am back from a mini vacation, Ellen. Did we have best of on Friday, or was there was uh, do we have a guest host in? We had a, a best of. It was best of. Okay, I didn't. I didn't know. I thought we were going to have um, uh, uh, an actual live body, but I'm glad you uh, folks were at least had the show with us, uh, somewhat symbolically, on Friday. I, had, I I had a trip to California. I'll tell you all about that coming up here in a minute. Uh, meantime, getting in touch with the program, easy to do. Call the Chris Nelsato Show at 888-933-93. That's 888 900 Presidents overseas, folks. Presidents doing some, uh, some things that have never been done by an American president. You wouldn't know it because you watch the majority of the basket of bias, and <laughs> all they can talk about is what's happening back here at home and uh, a bunch of you know, rumor and speculation about what Trump has allegedly, or his team has allegedly done with absolutely no proof. A year later, and still no proof. Oh, we all know when James Comey's going to be testifying. That ought to be fun. Uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. That's where uh, you can find this program on demand. Listening live is easy. Catch the show live at blaze.com radio, the Blaze Radio smartphone app, or the iHeart Radio app. On social media, at Chris Salcedo TX, at C-H-R-I-S-S-A-L-C-E-D-O-T-X as in Texas, on Facebook, The Chris Salcedo Show. And now on the Facebook page, you can actually catch up with email as well. There's actually a button that says, I want to drop an email. And that's how you drop an email. Go to the Blaze.com and the channel section and follow us there as well. Blaze.com channel section features highlights, if you will, of the show. Uh, You know, (laughs) I was visiting my family uh, out there in Southern California. For those of you who don't know, Texas is not my point of origin. I am originally a Californian, and San Diego, Californian, and I have relatives that live in in uh, in Los Angeles. So I uh, I headed that way for a graduation, and I after the after we talk a little bit about uh, the uh, the flip around here, we'll I'll tell you about my my flight experience. I have more than a a few beefs for these individuals. You know how you hear these stories about people that are kept on tarmacs for, you know, a couple hours, and it's just absolute misery. That happened to me. It, it, it's one thing to talk about and go, oh, my gosh, those poor people. It's quite another to experience it yourself. So I have questions and more than a few gripes. And you guys heard that uh, Vice President Pence had something happen to him and uh, at the commencement ceremony he was attending and speaking at. Well, I had I had an experience, too, and I'll share all of it with you coming up. But let's get into the flip around. For those of you new to the program, flip around is when we look at what's happening, what all the cable talkers are talking about. And uh, right at the top of the list, the leader of the basket of liberal bias. That is CNN. Let's see what they're talking about.
3: Things from America. They're not going to criticize him. They're going to flatter him. They're going to praise him. Uh, you know, the, the mistake was made. In fact, you know, uh, President Trump, Kind of awkwardly confirmed that it was Israel that was the country that uh, that had been talked about in that in that situation, by saying I didn't mention the name Israel. He was, he was in, a sense, in a sense confirming that yeah. it was Israeli intelligence that he had been talking about. Um, but look,
0: no,
2: be, be. Uh, in case you guys are just tuning in, this is what um, Fareed Zakaria, uh, the man who said that the president of the United States got to where he was by bsing. And he didn't use the word b.s.ing. We had to we had to bleep out this potty mouthed pseudo intellectual over at the, the basket of bias CNN. Anyway, here's what Trump uh, said uh, today.
3: I never mentioned the word or the name Israel. Never mentioned it during that conversation. They were all saying I okay, did. So you had another story wrong. Never mentioned the word Israel.
2: So he's asked a question about giving away secrets, and here's. President Trump saying, I never mentioned the word Israel. Now, Fareed Zakaria over the leader of the basket of bias, CNN says, oh, that's pseudo admitting that it was Israel. Huh? <laughs> Who he, uh, oh, OK. Trump says, it's another story you got wrong. I never mentioned Israel. That was the reporting that came out of The New York Times. But I never mentioned Israel. Uh, so uh, and Fareed Zakaria say, well, he halfway admitted that. Uh, OK, well, you guys can hear that. Right there in the soundbite, if if that's what Fareed Zakaria's takeaway is, hey, if it's bashing Trump, Fareed Zakaria is all about it. Let's go over to um, let's go over to MSNBC.
3: And and uh, uh, the Islamic uh, Jihad okay. and uh, Al Qaeda and ISIS are all Sunni, yet at the same time, Iran, with which Israel used to have yeah, thirty years ago, forty years ago, an alliance of sorts. Um, Iran is Shiite, so so we're we're in a uh, vortex uh, uh, right here in the Middle East. But to to choose sides, as Prime Minister Netanyahu is trying, and I think this is a major, major flaw in his understanding of the region, to draw some kind of, Israel stands with a moderate Sunni coalition versus the extremist Shiites uh, is going to backfire. Right,
0: and to draw a coalition between moderate Muslims and extremist Muslims might be a better... Uh, That's that's the uh, that's the winning uh, argument. That's the winning. argument. Oh, that's
2: the winning argument. Yes. So when Barack Obama was was throwing his support behind Shia in Iran and showing where uh, committing your taxpayer dollars and committing his administration to kissing the rear end of the Ayatollah Khomeini and his lackeys. Oh, that was okay. That you know, that that, that was fine. It, it, it's okay to choose sides, you know. And you know what? He just called them extremists, not radicalized Islamic fundamentalist extremists. Just, gosh, these people are so duplicitous. Trump gets over there, and may, and you know what? I got to admit, he was very warmly greeted by the Saudis. And we're going to talk with um, Herb London here at the bottom of the uh, bottom of the hour, and ask him. I don't remember a past U.S. president being greeted so warmly by some of the Sunnis in the region, and I don't know that you get that, that warmth and welcoming attitude if you hadn't had Barack Obama enriching and ingratiating himself to the number one state sponsor of terror in the region and making sure they have nuclear weapons. Let's get over quickly to Fox.
3: The prime minister has made it very clear he's not going to allow what happened to either mar this visit or interfere with what has been a profoundly important relationship between our intelligence services this is something that serves the interests of the United States and Israel together it's not serving only one in the interest of one side so there's no doubt that he'll he'll give it directions for that to continue my guess is there probably will be some discussions within the uh, between our intelligence services about guidelines uh, what happens in terms of sharing what are expectations uh, from here on out and probably also some discussions within Israel itself between the intelligence services there,
2: Mossad uh, and the prime minister.
4: Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Ambassador Ross, it's nice to see you again. Thank you.
2: They're talking about what Trump talked about with Sergei Lavrov, you know, and, and then it wasn't just this bit of intelligence that was allegedly shared that allegedly. And I have to say allegedly because I'm more fair than the majority of the basket of bias. But uh, allegedly shared by Trump with the Russians that allegedly was provided by the Israelis. Trump saying, I never mentioned the word Israel. So all, and, and naturally, he was making uh, reference to all of the reporting, which he called false, which claimed to definitively say, oh yes, Mr., uh, Mr. Trump, President of the United States, indeed did mention Israel, or did confirm that it was Israeli intelligence, and according to Uh, the President of the United States, Uh, I never even mentioned the word Israel. So that's where we are. Uh, This just breaking, folks, who is the source? Of course, the Associated Press. Uh, uh, Mr. Flynn. General Michael Flynn. He, of course, was a member of two administrations. First, the Obama administration. He was the uh, director of the Defense Intelligence Agency, the DIA, under President Obama. And then for a short time, a very short-lived time, he was the National Security Advisor for President Trump. He has officially invoked Fifth Amendment privilege. He has invoked the Fifth. So, uh, it, and also he's turned down a invitation. An invitation to the Senate Intelligence Committee who wanted him to testify before their committee. He said, nope, not going to do that. And... I'm going to take the fifth, which is never good. So you've got a a person here that has belonged to two administrations, trusted for a a good many years during President Obama's administration, and and uh, took what Trump matter of weeks to fire him. Uh, That's that's the record. Now there are many who will observe, well, why did you why did you hire him to begin with? If you knew all of these. Problems existed with Mr. Flynn. Well, it's not immediately clear that they that they that they were evident. Uh, I do have serious questions about about his lobbying efforts for Turkey, and um, so that there are some serious questions I believe need to be answered in that regard. But we know, courtesy of James Comey, that the conversation that took place between Mr. Flynn and uh, Ambassador Kislyak, the Russians' Ambassador Kislyak, nothing was improper. Nothing that was uttered was improper. Now, I mentioned this briefly at the top, and I, I won't get too hot and heavy into this, but after Memorial Day, which is next week, director, former director James Comey will testify before Congress, and the rumor mill is out there generating, I'm not sure it's, this is what he's going to do, but the rumor mill is out there generating this idea that James Comey will try to to allege that Donald Trump tried to stop the investigation between his campaign and Russia, possible collusion. Problem is, that meeting allegedly took place on February 14th. Remember that memo that none of us have seen? That Congressman Al Green, uh, that idiot, took to the, the floor of the Congress to demand impeachment on a letter he had never even seen? so at any rate that was february 14th on valentine's day um little less than a month later james comey was in front of congress under oath saying that um he had he had never been asked to stop any investigation so if comey comes out now after he was fired and alleges hey Somebody tried to, uh, uh, Trump tried to get me to stop the investigation. Well, which time did Mr. Comey perjure himself? Was it May 3rd? Or will it be his testimony after Memorial Day? Oh, by the way, we have the soundbite from May 3rd when James Comey was asked directly, have you, you know, you've been asked to stop these investigations? And he says, nope, flatly denies it. Not, nobody's, nobody's asked. Uh, More to come, folks. Uh, We'll talk to Herb London at the bottom of the hour. I'll tell you about my my flight to California and what I saw when I got off the plane. Back in a minute. The Salcedo Show right here on The Blaze.
0: Keep up with the Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at
2: ChrisSalcedoTX.
0: Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on The Blaze Radio Network.
2: Chris
1: Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: So, as I mentioned uh, briefly in the opening stanza of the program, I uh, took a trip out to the People's Republic of California, my former home state. Jumped on an airplane and, well, first off, here's how the trip started. Some pretty nasty weather rolling through the airport in Texas that I was taking off from. And the forecasters, since earlier in the day, had been forecasting this weather event. So the, the plane was a little late to begin with, jump on the plane, get loaded up, head out of the tarmac, and then we're in a holding pattern because apparently a lot of other flights are being diverted around this, this storm complex that's moving in. So we sit there and we sit there, we sit there about a half an hour, nothing happened, and uh, ladies and gentlemen uh just uh hang tight we're waiting for some clearance from the tower okay so we sit tight about half an hour goes by I'm like what's going on that captain jumps on the intercom oh uh, yeah folks uh looks like we got some weather moving through and uh, we're gonna just wait our turn uh, we got a whole bunch of aircraft in the air uh, avoiding this uh the weather coming in and We're going to be here about uh, 45 minutes. 45 minutes. It's like, so an additional. So right around an hour and a half, we're waiting on the tarmac. And of course, Mrs. Salcedo says, man alive, they couldn't see on the radar, this storm moving in. Now, we could, on the pilot address this, we could uh, could go back to the uh, terminal, but uh, we'd lose our place in line for takeoff. It's, it's, well, couldn't there be a more organized way of doing that? And, I, and I'm not proposing a law. I'm not trying to give more regulation to the airlines. I'm just saying maybe the airports pass this rule. If we've got, if we've got weather moving in, why don't, st- why don't everybody stay put in the terminal and then file out accordingly to your, once the, uh, you know, once the storm passes, file out according to your original departure time. It's just, man, there's got to be uh, uh, sitting in the terminal would have been very much preferential to sitting on the tarmac for an hour, hour and a half. Now, they were kind enough to come along with water, which was, which was okay, I suppose. But again, it's cramped. You got everybody. They had to shut down the engines, so you didn't have, you know, full tilt AC blowing through. You just had cooler air. Or just air circulating, basically, and it got a little warm. It wasn't hot, but it was, you know, it just got stuffy. And you got that for a whole hour and a half, just waiting, just waiting to take off. It's, it just got me thinking, man. A lot. It, it, it's you hear all these horror stories on tarmacs, people waiting, you know, you know, two, three hours. I guess I got off lucky at an hour and a half, but two, three hours on the tarmac, and people are just grumpy and upset, and I, I don't blame them. There's got to be there's got to be a better way to do that especially with our modern radar technology. If you've got a storm front moving in, don't load people up. Keep them in the terminal where they can stretch their legs and uh use the the facilities or go grab a drink or go grab some food, you know that kind of thing inside of the terminal. So that's how our and you know what my my wife, she brings on the iPad, a movie to watch, and uh, the flight from Texas to California, roughly three hours, heading against the jet stream, heading out west. So, which movie, Ellie? If you what what's what's a a and I I like this movie. I don't want to call it a chick flick because I think it had a pretty good blending of action and romance. What uh, what movie do you think that you can remember that lasted three hours? Epic! I'll even give you a hint. Epic movie. Lasted three hours. Titanic. Titanic. <laughs> Good guess, but no. Was Titanic three hours? Did it last three hours? Yeah. Okay. Who, that was Waldo who said that, wasn't it? <laughs> no. Was that Waldo who said it? No. Who said it? It was Christian. It was Christian. Christian, how the heck do you know that? <laughs> now that is a chick flick, okay? The Titanic is a chick flick with Leonardo Campion. <laughs> the the pseudo-chick flick, which I think there's plenty of action sequences for guys that they can enjoy it, directed by Michael Bay, is Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor goes about three hours. So the entire trip would have been taken up by watching this video. So my wife's ticked off that we're an hour and a half into the movie that she had started uh, before we took off. And he's it's like, it's like, man, and now we're taking off and already halfway, more than halfway through the movie. And, that did, and then th- that couldn't get her all the way through so she had to to try to find some some stuff that did download before we boarded the plane and none of the episodes from some of her, her Showtime stuff had downloaded so she was watching <laughs> stuff my kids had downloaded. <laughs> there's, there's my grown wife, watching Hotel uh, Transylvania, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and that's when I stopped watching. I said, no, you can go ahead and do that. I'll read over here. Um, anyhow, once I got to California, I attended a graduation ceremony, and I'll tell you what I saw there, and we'll let you know what happened to VP Pence, his graduation experience. But first, let's talk about Trump's trip overseas, historic trip overseas. Coming up, Salcedo Show right here on The Blaze. Be right back.
1: The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze. Only on The Blaze Radio Network. The Chris Salcedo Show.
0: And here you go, a historic moment, the president putting his hand to the Western Wall, becoming the first U.S. sitting president in history to do that.
2: And then the cameras start going off wildly. That was, of course, commentary from one of the basket of biases. I think that was um, MSNBS today, that even they couldn't ignore with any credibility this overseas trip by, by President Trump. Oh, the camera... This is histor- historic, folks. The cameras wouldn't stop clicking.
0: Remarkable moment. Yep. Uh, regardless of what, we, what you think about the politics all around it, this is the first president to go to one of the holiest sites in the world for the Jewish people. Uh, must be an emotional moment for Jared Kushner there.
2: Jared Kushner, of course, a practicing, uh, uh, someone who practices the Jewish faith. Practicing Jew. And as a matter of fact, Ivanka, as my understanding, converted. Converted to uh, Judaism when she married Mr. Kushner. So uh, very impactful for the Trump family. Uh, Trump didn't take Bibi Netanyahu along, even though it was requested that he might be along for that. Mr. Trump wanted to make it a, a prayerful moment. And as you could tell, rather historic. Let's talk more about this, about the significance of the trip in Toto. Uh, this is the second leg of this trip. Actually, if you want to be technical about it, this is the the second leg because there's, there's actually a total of four. We'll talk about it with Herb London, president of the London Center for Policy Research. He's responsible for creating the Gallatin School of Individualized Study in 1972, was its dean until '92. Mr. London is a graduate of Columbia University and the recipient of a Ph.D. from New York University. He's appeared in every major newspaper and journal in our nation. Also an author and a playwright. Mr. London, welcome back to The Salcedo Show.
5: Well, Chris, thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it.
2: The significance of of Mr. Trump doing what he did at the Western Wall. Tell, uh, Tell The Salcedo Show listeners why this is such a big deal and why he was the first president to do it. Well, first
5: of all, I think there's a big deal on several fronts. If you look at the ecology of this trip, what it all means, the atmospherics associated with it, this is truly a historic moment. What President Trump is doing is he is undoing the damage of the last eight years. He's saying to the Sunni nations, we've got your back. You could not rely on the United States in the past. I assure you, the world is going to look very differently for you, and we will put together a defense condominium, assist you with a defense condominium that will allow you to fight terrorism and, of course, deal with the, the uh, ambitions of the Iranians and their desire for an imperial empire in the Middle East. This is a very, very significant development. And the, the member of this defense condominium that has not been identified but obviously will play a role is Israel. So if you look at it and you know you think about the Egypts and the and the Saudi Arabians and the Bahrains and the and the Jordans that will participate, you also have to realize that Israel will be an unannounced but clearly a member of this defense this defense group. So it is a truly historic movement, a truly historic event, and I think Trump deserves an awful lot of commendation. There are people in the United States who will insist Oh, this is merely a distraction from the difficulties that he's facing with the powder keg that has opened up, that has exploded in Washington. I assure you that this trip has been planned for some time. It goes back to the origins of the administration. I had spent a little time talking to people about the so-called Arab and NATO. So, you know, we at the London Center like to think we've played a minor role in this matter as well. There is no doubt, however, that this is a crossroads, a very significant development that is occurring in American foreign policy. I can recall the moment when I chatted with uh, President Sisi of Egypt, and he looked at me and he said, quite sincerely, you know, I went to Carlisle. I was trained at Carlisle in Pennsylvania, and I love America, but America doesn't love me. What he was saying is that the Obama administration cannot be relied on. The Obama promised, Obama promised him Apache helicopters. That would be delivered to fight the war in the Sinai. They were not delivered. They sat in Fort Hood, Texas. And so this is a very different era, a new chapter. And I think that the excitement that you could see on the face of Sisi and the Crown Prince was clearly that was clearly palpable.
2: Yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, before we get to his visit to Israel today, which is as we already articulated on the top, historic. Let's 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 dial it back to his trip to Saudi Arabia. And some of the reaction that was coming out over the weekend, here's Kim Stossel on Fox News Sunday uh, commenting on why the Sunni Arab states uh, may now be ready to combat radicalized Islamic fundamentalist terrorism and why they're so giddy about President Trump's visit. Listen to her analysis.
3: You know, though, Kim, we've seen other presidents make this kind of effort to try to unite the Muslim world against the savages. They get lip service, but then behind the scenes, a lot of these Muslim leaders, whether it's for payoffs or for whatever reason, continue to fund radicalism. What makes you think this time will be any different?
4: So I think what makes a difference is eight years of a a lack of leadership from the Obama administration in which things really disintegrated there. And so what you see is all of these countries. Attending this summit have come to understand that allowing Iran to get moved toward nuclear weapons uh, has also allowed them to begin meddling more in all of these other countries through surrogates. Whether- so
2: basically what she's saying that there would not be this unprecedented open door for Trump. Uh, there wouldn 't be this elation from the Sunnis in the region if Barack Obama hadn't committed American taxpayer money and committed so many, so much money and resources to making the Shia Iranians a nuclear power to lord over the region and and they, they, are, they are now eager to do whatever the United States wants just so that, that that Iran doesn't become the the regional hegemon. What do you think about that
5: Well, I think she 's got it exactly right. I mean, there is no doubt that what is being put in place is a counterweight to whatever ambitions the Iranians have. They've already created what is ostensibly an empire. And so now what you're seeing in the Sunni world is they're saying, well, look, we're not going to tolerate this. We don't have nuclear weapons. We could obtain nuclear weapons, but we are going to rely on the American nuclear umbrella. But we want to know that the United States is there for us. This was not true in the last eight years. The tilt toward Iran— and the virtual vacuum that was created with a pre- precipitous withdrawal of American forces from Iraq clearly suggested that we had a very different policy orientation. That is now changing, changing in a direction that I consider quite appropriate and that many others consider quite appropriate. So I do think that this is an essential and first very important step towards stabilizing events in the Middle East.
2: You know, uh, by the way, Herb London is our guest right now, folks, here on the Chris Salcedo Show. He is with the London Center for... Uh, uh, I just, I was, I was going to give you a different biography there.
5: (laughs) I was going to give you the London Center for Policy Research, but that's fine.
2: Yeah, the the London Center for Policy Research. I was going to give you, I was going to say another London center that is that is in our orbit. But (laughs) uh, (laughs) I apologize, I have, I got my London centers mixed up. Anywho, um, as as you watched this, the body language today of Trump over in Israel and uh, the because you made allusion to this, uh, Mr. London, the fact that back here at home, you you, you called it a powder keg exploding. I, I just look at it as a bunch of those those fireworks, those little graffiti fireworks that really are. there's, there's a lot of show there, but there's no there there. There's no explosion because there's nothing to, there's nothing to base this on. But all uh, of the political right. turmoil created by the Democrats back here at home and Israel happened to be a uh, somewhat of a part of that in this allegation put out there by the New York Times that Trump spilled the beans on some Israeli-provided intelligence. Did you see any evidence of that today on display?
5: On the contrary, if you looked at the body of language, it appears as though these two guys, that Netanyahu and Trump are friendly, that they care about one another. Very, very different from the attitude that you could see when Obama was president of the United States. Obviously, the tension between the two clearly was, was very evident if you just watch them engage in a debate together. So I think that things have changed. Israel is far more confident about the future, in large part because Trump is president. Whether the embassy will be created in Jerusalem or not, and I think it should be and probably will be, but maybe the timing for it isn't right at the moment. But I can also assure you that at the meeting with the Saudi leaders uh, over, the, over the weekend, Trump came away saying, you know, I realize they don't give a damn about the Palestinian question they're far more interested in the Iranian question. That's the issue in the Middle East today. Not whether Palestine is going to get a state or Palestine will have appropriate representation, but largely whether or not the Iranians will continue to move from Sana'a to Damascus to uh, uh, Tehran. That's the issue. And I think that if you understand that, you will understand what has changed in the, in the mind of the Middle East and leaders.
2: Uh, he is the president of the London Center for Policy Research, folks. Herb London, our guest right now. So let's uh, let's just pivot back here briefly to home. Uh, there there seems to be uh, a, a, an explosion on the p- one political side of the aisle uh, because one gets the sense that that is all that p- that side of the aisle has, which is to innuendo speculation. And now we're coming up on a year, uh, Mr. London, of the FBI investigating alleged ties. Uh, between the trump campaign and collusion with russia and a special counsel has now been appointed where where do you see this all going well
5: i I see it having a very negative effect on american politics It may be the unraveling of political parties with both the democratic and republican parties suffering i mean keep in mind that in the book shattered which deals with the failure of the the hillary clinton campaign she in that book after she lost the race said you know we can undermine the trump administration by relying on the Russian gambit. So clearly this has been a strategy on the part of the left. I have described this as the second American revolution. These people are relentless. They want to undermine Trump. They'll do anything in their power to do so. And it's also clear that whatever policy perspective is introduced, whether it's reforms on health care or tax reform or immigration reform, the left is going to be opposed. They're going to say fascism has come to America. God knows what else. But there is no doubt what you have is a systematic effort to undermine this administration. And it is very sad because you want to have two parties and certainly a loyal opposition. But the loyalty in that equation no longer exists.
2: Yeah. And let me ask you this. uh, uh, Look into your crystal ball, because it is my firm belief that there is there is a lot of smoke, but but no fire here. And at the end of the day, this must come to a conclusion. What happens with the American left? When they find out that that these Democrats who are some are taking to the floor of the the U.S. House of Representatives promising or calling for impeachment. Many of them are sending out fundraisers promising impeachment um, when it doesn't happen. When no criminality is discovered, what happens to the, the snowflake uh, uh, left in this country? What, what, what is the blowback on the Democrat Party?
5: Well, look, the the Democratic Party is going through a suicidal impulse. If you consider the fact that in the next election, congressional elections, you will have 10 seats, 10 Senate seats that are up for grabs, that are presently held by Democrats, but states that Trump won. The Democrats are clearly vulnerable. And when you have a party that stands for nothing, it does not stand for any reform. It does not stand for any policy issue. You've got to ask the question, What is the Democratic Party all about except being against Trump? And so I think that there will be a lot of sensible Democrats in the United States asking, why be a member of this party? Now, it's true that the Republican Party has lost its way as well, and there are many questions to be raised about the Republican Party. But in my judgment, the Democratic Party is in far more trouble than the Republicans.
2: Yeah, they got a, they got a heck of a lot more to lose, in my estimation, too. Herb London, everybody, president of the London Center for Policy Research. It's always a pleasure catching up with you, sir.
5: Always a pleasure to be with you, Chris. All the best. You do a terrific job, by the way. Good Thank luck. you,
2: sir. Appreciate it. All right, more to come, folks. Be right back on The Blaze.
1: He is a liberty-loving Latino conservative. Need we say more? The Chris Salcedo Show, only on The Blaze Radio Network. The Salcedo show on the Blaze
2: Radio Network. All right, so I, uh, I get off the plane in Southern California, and I, uh, because we were so late, we go right to the hotel and conk out. Next day was graduation day where I got to see my nephew graduate from college. Very well done, very proud of him. And at the graduation ceremony, I take a picture. Now, mind you, this is Southern California. Southern California, and I see something. I go, no that that can't that can't be what I think it is. I'm looking down in the stadium where the San Diego, uh, the former San Diego Chargers, the L.A. Chargers will be playing. It's a soccer stadium. They're going to be playing there for the next three years. Which is poetic justice, don't get me started, on the L.A. Chargers. Anyway, so I'm looking down, I go, I go, oh my gosh, that's a Mexican flag. Some of the students graduating from an American college, University of California system, thought it appropriate during the ceremony to fly a Mexican flag, a flag of oppression, of poverty, and of cronyism in my country. I was able to talk to my nephew afterwards and asked, uh, who were those Nimrods? (laughs) Which, uh, don't get me started, he said. So there is your California graduation. Your liberty-loving Latino here was on hand. To look at this revolting display of left-wing extremism. Love and devotion for a flag of oppression. That is the Mexican flag. That runs counter to our ideals of limited government. Right there, at a California college graduation. Now, uh, while now, uh, I was dealing with this crap, which is exactly what it is. When I was dealing with this stuff, the Vice President of the United States he was dealing with some stuff of his own but where i didn't get any backup i didn't stand up and say anything about this but vice president pence actually got backup i'll tell you about that next
1: this is the chris salcedo show part of the next generation of talk radio this is the blaze radio network Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Bages. I don't have
3: to show you any stinking bages.
1: This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Hour two underway. Glad you've tuned in, everybody, here to the program, the Chris Salcedo Show. I am your liberty-loving Latino. Do not confuse me with loudmouth leftist Latinos out there. I actually love... The United States of America. Uh, telephone number is 888 933 3393 Again, you want to see the picture of these, well, I, I don't want to make too many value judgments. These people graduating from an American college and flying the Mexican flag. It's at the top of my Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page. Just head there and uh you will i clipped it at the top just so you guys would be able to share and this is what this is what happens out in California where those who break the law or those who advocate for those who break the law uh this is this is how they roll in states like this where the the rule of law is not valued and there it is at an at an American college ceremony, a flag of oppression is flown. I just makes you shake your head. As a matter of fact, underneath that, you will find a picture of our president wearing a "Make America Hat," "Make America Great Again" hat. It says, "Good morning, snowflakes. What are we offended about today?" <laughs> and that's for you to share uh, with your friends with your, the liberals in your life, or or if your child happens to attend Notre Dame. Did you guys hear what happened to the Vice President of the United States at Notre Dame? Ellie, did you see the video of this? No. Uh, let me read from the Daily Caller's account here. A group of students at the University of Notre Dame chose to walk out of Vice President Mike Pence's speech during their commencement ceremony. According to footage captured by WNDU, a large group of students, chose to stand up and leave the stadium where their commencement was being held when Pence was introduced. Now, let me, I think there's audio, there's an audio component. I don't think anybody's cursing on this. So let me, let me just play this. Thank you. you guys hear the booing? They weren't booing Pence. They were booing, according to some of the name of Summer Ratcliffe. They were booing those snowflakes, those buttercups, who were who couldn't respect the vice presidency, the office of the vice presidency, enough to keep your seat. And nobody, nobody asked you to be. To accept everything the vice president was saying, hey, at the at the graduation ceremony I was at in California, they had some community organizer up there speaking. So that that was they were giving him an honorary doctorate for doing for doing community organizing like President Obama, you know, basically stirring up trouble and promoting promoting communism and promoting left wing extremism. They give, they give them honorary doctorates out there in California for doing that kind of crap. Did I get up? Oh, I'm walking out of here. That, ah, forget it. No. That would be, of course, impolitic. That would be improper. That would be rude. And, but of course, out there in, in Southern California, that kind of claptrap is, is welcomed. Don't, don't get me wrong. There were conservatives. I I knew there were conservatives inside of not only the, the stadium, but also among those who were graduating. They, they would have been within their rights to get up when some of these obvious left-wingers speaking at this commencement speech were brought on. So you go over Notre Dame, and here's Vice President Pence. He gets introduced, and this group gets up and walks away. Now, I wish I would have... I saw this and I didn't keep it. But if any of you find, if any of you find this, it's a picture, a close-up of these buttercups. A close-up of these snowflakes. And somebody has superimposed binkies to put in their mouths. The Notre Dame's finest, or something, something along those lines. You guys find that picture, I want it. <laughs> just just drop it to me in Twitter. But you heard. The booze, because the the tolerance of the American left on full display, they won't even listen to opposing points of view. I'm, folks. This this is and this is kind of what I was touching on, a little bit with Herb London. These people are deranged. These people are insane, and they and and. You've got Democrats now, who are elected to high office, who are trying to mollify, who are trying to appeal to these morons, to these intellectually inferior individuals, who can't, who are so insecure about their left wing extremism, they they know that their point of view can't stand up to scrutiny, and they've been taught oh. If your blood pressure goes up a little bit, you, you you just go ahead and leave. You don't have to listen to anybody who disagrees with you, my poor little Billy Buttercup. And they get up and they walk out. Ima- imagine if the same had been done to them. They would be out of their ever loving minds. Just, oh, they'd be calling racism or whatever the heck that it is that they do. So at any rate, I just this is this is the status of our politics. As you and I are speaking today, what is it? May twenty second, twenty seventeen, and again, what I was getting into Herb London with was there's a there's a price that's going to be paid for all of this. I don't think I don't think any Democrat, certainly any liberal at Notre Dame would have said, you know, get up in the middle of your commencement and walk out. Um, Liberals now who created this monster of these unhinged, spoiled, rotten, idiotic children who are in grown-ups' bodies, who stomp their feet on the ground and, and walk out, they can't control it anymore. They created this beast and they themselves go, whoa, 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 whoa. This, 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 isn't, this isn't where you're, we, we wanted to, to prompt you to get involved and vote Democrat and donate Democrat. We didn't want you to get up from the table. We didn't want you to throw the American system out the window. Some of these Democrats didn't. Now the libs do. The full, full tilt committed liberal socialist idiots, they want the American system thrown out the window. And, you know, the community organizers, the Barack Obamas of the world. But this isn't what they wanted. They, they wanted people to engage conservatives and, and defeat conservatives. <laughs> they didn't want somebody to just say, I'm going to go home. I don't, I'm not going to talk to you, conservatives. I do not want to hear you, conservatives. You're, you're so mean and hateful. Not a mean and hateful bone in Vice President Pence's body. You ever hear him speak? Kind of low. Kind of soothing. Guy looks like Rex Bannon from Johnny Quest, right? (laughs) Has that father figure thing going on already, you know what I mean? Mike Pence is the least offensive guy out there. And these little emotionally um, challenged buttercup snowflakes couldn't even keep their seats to listen. Oh, they wanted to make a statement. Look how important we are. While well, the country saw what kind of people you are intolerant, people saw that your ideas are so weak and feeble and lacking of any substance. You couldn't, have, you couldn't stand to have them challenged by another point of view. Not that VP Pence was going to engage in any of that. Hell, it had been me. <laughs> yeah, I would have. Yeah, I would have. But it was, it was Pence. Now, put yourself in the position of their parents. Now, granted, some of their parents could be filth, full tilt bozo idiots. Just look at who they raised. But some parents, I can imagine. Can you can you imagine busting your tail? Just, and, and this was your payoff. You bust your butt. You put in the extra hours. You just you you give it all for your kids so they can have a class A education. You send them to Notre Dame. And your and your wife or your and your husband's reward is to be able to sit in the audience and say, that's my little girl, that's my little boy. All grown up and doing us proud. It was worth the sacrifice. It was worth the effort we put out. (laughs) Only to see that for all of the proclaims of higher education, the proclamations of higher education put out by institutions like Notre Dame, All they did for your kid was to take your money and churn out some little snowflake who can't even debate the issues. I mean, wouldn't you feel kind of ripped off at that point? This is what I busted my rear end for. This is what I paid those tens of thousands of dollars for a a good education for little Johnny or little Susie. This is what I, I paid for. Some kid that can't even stand to hear a differing point of view or hear from the Vice President of the United States because it's not the party they voted for? Really? That's what I paid for? This is how you're molding young minds at Notre Dame? (laughs) I mean, there had to have been some of that going on in the stands. Just saying. I I mean, on a practical matter. We parents... That's the only payoff we get. I mean, seeing your child get out there, ready to make it, ready to tackle the world, right? All the sacrifice was worth it, right? And then your little dumpling <laughs> gets up and walks out the minute the vice president is introduced. Oh, man alive. It's uh, This doesn't end anyplace place. Good, folks, doesn't. Uh, some of the little talked about, uh, some of the things that are not being talked about about Trump's visit overseas, uh, as, as I articulated with Herb London, the basket of biased press is focused exclusively, nearly exclusively, I should say, on what's happening back here at home with Flynn and with baseless accusations that have no justification for, and, and no proof, that they're actually true of Trump campaign Russia collusion. We'll get into some of the things that aren't being talked about. Coming up next, the Salcedo show uh, right here on the blaze. Be right back.
1: The next generation of talk radio, the Chris Salcedo show on the blaze radio network. This is the Chris Salcedo show only on the blaze radio network.
2: Just posted this up in the Chris Salcedo show Facebook page uh, from the daily caller. (laughs) This is how, this is how Libs save the planet folks. Uh, (laughs) I'm not laughing at the result. I'm laughing at the juxtaposition. Libs are telling us just listen to us and we're going to, and everything will be okay. As long as you're not a whale, I suppose. Marine environmental experts blame offshore wind turbines. You guys know what offshore wind turbines are, right? They are, they are set to harness ocean air and turn it into electricity for the mainland. It's clean, right? We all remember how liberals in America regard these types of windmills. They say, oh, we love the idea just so it doesn't interrupt our line of sight. Ted Kennedy, big liberal. Wanted windmills, just so long as he didn't have to see it from his beachfront property. Didn't want it destroying his view, not in my backyard, said liberals. But otherwise, you know, for all you other all you other cranks out there, <laughs> all you other uh grumpy anti environmentalists, we don't mind putting putting it in your backyard. Anyway. Marine environmental experts blame offshore wind turbines for the deaths of three mink whales that washed up on the British beaches, according to the Times. Uh, Wildlife experts claim that the noise generated by wind turbines affected the sonar that whales use to navigate, causing them to beach themselves. There are several commercial offshore wind farms close to where the whales beach themselves. So uh, this is according to experts and, you know, the, these are the types of experts that libs are always telling us we got to listen to, right? So you can blame a liberal for these whales dying. Um, I was, uh, when I first started reading that piece, I was thinking, wait, 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 are these whales jumping out <laughs> and getting sliced into sushi uh, as they jump out of the water, nailed by these wind turbines? I'd I was not expecting it to be uh, sonar disruption until I read further. Telephone numbers triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. Something that's not getting talked about is the historic nature, and we did touch on this with with uh, Herb London a little bit. The historic nature of what the Trumps and his administration are trying to do. And you got to give a hat tip where that hat tip is deserved. ABC News with this headline. Melania and Ivanka Trump make stops in Saudi Arabia to promote women's empowerment. Now, you guys remember this was the first leg was a stop in Saudi Arabia where Trump did this, the dance of the swords and all of that. Tillerson, too. And the warm... Reception that was given to President Trump, and I got to imagine it's because of the the lack of leadership these last eight years that this country and indeed the world has endured because we had a uh, a political hack inside the Oval Office who was interested in self-aggrandizement and uh, advancing an ideology of liberalism. Rather than doing something that was good for the world, for peace, or what have you, was interested in exercising government control over the masses rather than perpetuating liberty and freedom all over the globe. Since that, since that was the case, and you know, Mr. O, Mr. Obama's big idea to control the Middle East was to turn it over to radicalized Islamic fundamentalist terrorists in Iran. And man. Saudis weren't too happy about that. And the Sunnis all over the region weren't too happy about that. So here comes Trump saying, well, we're going to get back to business. And before we get back to business, who's with me taking out radical Islam? And I, I think these Sunni states, Egypt and, and uh, Saudi Arabia and others, said, man, we can't, we got to do our part. There's no way because these guys were looking down the barrel of a or looking down the barrel of a nuclear armed Iran determined to wipe them out because they're sunnis now think about that and then they had Barack Obama over in the United States egging them on making sure they were well financed making sure they could keep all of their infrastructure well here's another part of this the president's daughter and the first lady uh, the the daughter being referred to, Ivanka being referred to as a female leader within the Trump administration. Uh, discussing her work on women's issues, both at home and abroad, she introduced Jim Yong Kim of the World Bank, who announced that Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates have pledged $100 million to women's empowerment. You heard that right. Here's Here's Ivanka Trump saying, oh, yeah, these two Arab states have just pledged 100 million to women's rights in the era of Trump.
1: The Chris Salcedo Show will be right back. The Blaze Radio Network. Listening to the Latino conservative Chris Salcedo on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Let's get us some breaking news over on Fox. Listen in. Uh,
5: let's keep working on this because this is going to save our hineys if we get this thing done. We get the tax cuts uh, done in both the House and the Senate and get them uh, all put together by the end of the year. Kevin Brady, Houseways and Means, was telling me not too long ago, yeah, it's doable. It's Charlie Gasparino joining us from Stanford, Connecticut. on
2: Vice President Pence arriving at Capitol Hill to continue the push at home for the domestic issues, tax reform would be huge. And I'm not understating that at all, folks. If the Republicans, if, if Donald Trump can, with his international efforts, keep the Democrats and the basket of biased press preoccupied enough, which is right now, they're, they're not occupied at all. They're, they're basically Focusing on Flynn taking the fifth today and declining a subpoena to appear. That seems to be what they're they're focused on. Oh, yes. And Comey testifying after Memorial Day. That's ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN. They're consumed with that. But if the Republicans continue to actually do work, I mean, actual work for a living, while the Democrats are sitting on their lazy rear ends and fundraising, if the Republicans actually do work, they'll be rewarded they'll be rewarded. 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. Ellie. Folks, Ellie is uh, the technical and con- some sometimes content producer here at the Chris Salcedo show. And she is a millennial. And so she and and I have off air conversations once in a while. And I asked her at the end of the last segment, did you hear what I just said? Because it was about, Female empowerment. You had Ivanka and Melania over there in um, in the Middle East, in Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates, getting each one of those countries to pledge a hundred million bucks to women empowerment in the Middle East. So I said, Ellie, what do you think? And Ellie said, "Would you tell them what you said?"
4: I don't remember, honestly. You don't.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, oh. Okay. So th- th- this is this is why we take the time, ladies and gentlemen. Look, uh, okay. So, I, I, Ivanka and Melania are over there. Hundred million bucks they got from the UA, uh The United Arab Emirates and uh, Saudi Arabia for women's development and women's issues over there in the Middle East. What do you think of that? I
4: think that's incredible. Now, now, now why? Because uh, women in the Middle East don't have a lot of support
2: very good very you see especially in places like saudi arabia uh there's a wahhabist movement there Uh, a lot of them are radicalized islamic fundamentalist terrorists on the sunni side don't forget isis is primarily sunni so and and they all believe that women are good for only a couple of things over these radicalized islamic fundamentalist terrorists And so here comes Ivanka and Melania, not wearing a hijab, by the way, coming over to Saudi Arabia and they're warmly greeted. And not only are they warmly greeted, but these two women are able to garner pledges of $100 million to undermine the radicalized Islamic fundamentalist tenets. Of subjugation of women, and the in well, I don't think this is. I'm not overstating this. The enslavement of women, and we have we have told you the horror stories, even in our own nation, of the rise of certain practices that are cultural, uh, genital mutilation, which female genital mutilation, which is just barbaric on its face. Um, that this kind of stuff needs to be beaten back. Now, I, again, I gave credit to ABC News. ABC uh, did report on this. I'm not aware... But again, I'm not sure how much it dominated their on-air coverage. I'm looking at an uh, a web-based uh, article, so I, I don't have any idea how much they dedicated time broadca- broadcast broadcast airtime to highlighting this part of the trip. But what does it say for all of uh, the alleged prowess of Michelle Obama and? and to be honest, I mean uh, y- you've got George W. Bush's administration, Laura Bush she was she was quite committed to and never got uh, and never got credit for in- inspiring educational programs for the Iraqis, for the Iraqi children. And I-, I think she had a broader Middle East initiative if memory serves. but isn't it funny how liberals pretend? that they care about education, but it takes a Republican to get, into, to get into office and actually make some of these things come to fruition. And, and I'm not alleging that Ivanka or Melania are necessarily dedicated Republicans. What I am saying is that they recognize the geopolitical situation, and along with some help from German Chancellor Angela Merkel, they get this kind of money. To help, changing, to help change the, the plight of Middle Eastern women out from under the, the oppressive boot of radicalized Islamic fundamentalists and uh, into the 21st century. So I think it's a positive development. And, of course, we wanted to give Ivanka and Melania the credit for it because it's not getting a lot of attention. Now, th- this has nothing to do with my concern about Ivanka's influence on her father, her being a liberal. If it's good and I can see the benefit in it, then I'll, I will comment and give congratulations. I mean, if President Obama had cut taxes at all in any meaningful way, then I would have applauded that too. If President Obama had, had, uh, strengthened our military in any way i would have applauded that as well he didn't so at any rate that's happening all right i wanted to touch base too on a couple of things that uh, i brought up with herb london about about why this trip is so significant for donald trump and i mentioned there were there were well officially three legs of this trip saudi arabia with uh, Israel, and then over to the Vatican. Not only is there massive geopolitical implications behind this trip, there are massive implications among religions, the world's major religions. Think about this. He visits Saudi Arabia, one of the major branches of Islam, then goes to, to have a conversation with, Israel, then goes to have a conversation with the Pope, with Catholics, uh, and, and Christians in broader Christianity. It's it's significant both in geopolitical terms, in political terms, and yes, in, in religious terms. And I do not recall, I don't think it's ever happened, where a, for their, this would be an historic trip if it was if it happened a couple years in, much less his first trip abroad, very ambitious, and it sends it sends a signal, several signals really. Number one, that America is back, and they couldn't have been more happy to hear that America was back than over in uh, in Saudi Arabia. Now let me play um, Kim Strassel talking with Chris Wallace on Fox News Sunday once again, because I cut her off. Uh, Chris Wallace asking the question about, you know, can Trump get anything done here? And why do you think this is potentially so successful?
4: A a lack of leadership from the Obama administration in which things really disintegrated there. And so what you see is all of these countries that are attending this summit have come to understand that allowing Iran... To get uh, move toward nuclear weapons uh, has also allowed them to begin meddling more in all of these other countries through surrogates. Whether it's in Yemen, whether it's in Syria, this has caused problems for all of the Gulf region. So they now have a renewed interest in actually, from their own self-interest, in doing something and working with Donald Trump. And that I think is a it's a chance for a reset, and that's why it might be different.
2: Yeah, well, I think he might. And again, the broader question is, can he actually facilitate some Middle East peace? Can he actually do that? And because of his unconventional way, some are saying he might, because he's unpredictable, he might have the perfect storm here to get some concessions from a boss. And that, by the way, that was that was the fourth leg that I, I forgot to mention. Um Mahmoud, Abbas, um, is it Mahmoud Abbas? I just know his last name, the leader of the Palestinian Authority. Uh when he sits down and talks to a boss, th- th- there might be because he's a wild, because Trump is a wild card and doesn't seem to be encumbered by these old, these old weights that as presidents have had. It may change the way he is regarded, and the fact that a lot of these older guys out there in the Middle East think that America has painted itself into a box and Trump doesn't do boxes. Trump is known for being outside of the box. So could he get it done? Maybe. Maybe. And now he's got, now he's got willing partners in the Sunni Arab world that are so determined to never go, to never have America go back to where we were these last eight years. You guys realize President Obama had this country financing the number one state sponsor of terror, had this country kissing the rear end of the Ayatollah Khomeini and allowing him to do whatever the hell he wanted. Basically, America under Barack Obama was installing Iran as the leader of the Middle East. That's what Obama's agenda was. And it scared the living daylights out of these Sunnis. They actually, they literally are looking down the barrel of a nuclear weapon, courtesy of President Obama. And look at the links now. Oh, Okay, we got to turn around. No, 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 no. We're going to help. We'll help. We'll help. We'll help. We'll help. Just don't turn over control of the Middle East to the Iranians. And you got former Governor John Sununu, Fox News, channel this morning, Trump is doing some right things in the Middle East. You
3: know, folks make fun of the president and his art of the deal. But the fact is, is he does understand that there can be no deal amongst those parties involved in the Middle East unless there's something for everybody there. And I think that that's a reflection of of his understanding of that uh... it is important i think for for people to realize the other benefit of this trip is cleaning up the mess in the middle east that that president obama left and the reception the president got in in saudi arabia not just from the saudis uh, but from the dozens and dozens of, of leaders of the Arab world gathered there, is extremely important. They ought to be key components in fixing uh, the crisis situation in the Middle East. And I think he earned a lot of credit and support and leverage uh, through that whole process. I
2: think that the governor is absolutely correct. And again, I don't want to put the cart before the horse and saying this is going to get done, but I have more hope than I have in decades of this kind of thing happening, some sort of peace, some sort of lasting agreement. Uh, Back in a minute, folks. Resident Obama, speaking of him, continuing to give speeches. Wait till you hear how much money he was paid this time. Back in a minute.
1: He is quickly becoming the left's favorite piñata. Only problem is this piñata hits back. Chris Salcedo on the Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo Show. Conservative Talk Radio
2: with Spice. Welcome back, everybody. It's Chris Salcedo Show. Ellie, do you happen to recall the price tag for President Obama's first two highly publicized speeches? You remember how much he charged for those those uh, Wall Street fat cats? I do. For, for one hour, it was $400,000. That's each. right. Yeah, exactly. Man of the people, you know, resident Obama. Uh, so, uh, making more in one hour than most folks, it, well, it'd take you years to, to earn, from most Americans, $400,000. So, uh, he goes overseas. I think it was Italy is where he was. And he accepts uh, a speaking gig. You know how much he's paid for this one? No. Three million dollars. <laughs> it says this. But this is a much
5: bigger concern yeah. in uh, in the economy as a whole. Yeah. And m- my guess is that ultimately what is going to happen is, is that everybody is going to have to work a little bit less and we're going to have to
0: spread work more.
2: <laughs> He's spreading the work around. This cat never learns. You know what that is, folks? That's tenant eight of the Communist Manifesto that President Obama was spreading right there talking about spreading the work around (laughs) it's the irony he's promoting communism while he accepts three three million dollars in a payday i mean what a class a never mind remember everybody society is a mesh power is seized by its government but rather how much power is reserved for we the people have a grand day folks back here tomorrow tuesday on the blaze 900 3393.
1: The Chris Salcedo Show
2: on the Blaze Radio Network.